Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with WHIO meteorologist McCall Rydags and Kirsty Zontini. Remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you? I'm good. Just uh, getting ready for the winter season. I feel like things are quickly changing. Um, and while we're enjoying some milder weather right now, I know that it's not going to stick around for very long. <laughs> exactly. We know it's always, it's always cyclical. So even though we get the ridge right now, there's a trough to the West and it, <laughs> it will arrive eventually to bring us back to reality. But it yeah. has been kind of nice, obviously, to, I mean, this is probably in the Miami Valley and really the Eastern United States right now probably the nicest solid stretch of seven days of just mm -hmm. sunshine, warmer weather, not too hot, just pleasant. Yes. And dry and sunny. I just get out and enjoy it because <laughs> that, that pendulum, as you mentioned, is going to swing back the other way and we're going to be talking about cool weather yep. very quickly in the future. <laughs> exactly. So we do want to talk about cool weather this podcast, but our guest, of course, we have had on many times at this point. So if you're seeing him already, this is Dr. Aaron Wilson. Uh, he has joined us many times talking about climatology, talking about agriculture. Uh, and so we're going to tap into his climo uh, side of the brain and, of course, meteorology always. But we're going to type, tap into that a little bit today, and he's going to discuss with us um, a little bit about winter weather in Ohio, in the Miami Valley. Um, we'll talk about things like La Nina and the Arctic Oscillation and, and kind of get into a little bit of what our winter could uh, have in store for us. So welcome back, Aaron. How are you? Hi, Christy. Hi, McCall. It's great. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, like you said, nice warm weather out there. Um, turn those conditions compared to what we saw over the weekend. And uh, yeah, let, let's talk about winter. My favorite right. season. Oh, oh, is nice. it? <laughs> well, that's that a good one. Great. And I just want to say, just because it's fun, if you watched our last podcast with Aaron, he has certainly cut the beard down a little bit since the last time, Aaron. It's looking sharp. Are you going to let it grow up for a no shave November? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the rest of 2020 and most of 2021, probably. I, <laughs> usually I make it to about July and then it just gets so hot that I have to, I have to make a change. So. Understandable. <laughs> well, with the winter, it's good to get the big bushy beard. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, it's like a scarf all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the winter. I mean, it's on the way. It's coming real close. And there's been a lot of talk about La Nina and its mm -hmm. impacts on winters. And I think that uh, unlike El Nino, I think La Nina can bring lots of different variables to the forecast when you're, when you're talking about what will happen in the next three months. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Some of our um, snowiest winters, so some of those big snaps of cold have been when we've gone into La, the La Nina pattern. So uh, maybe let's start off, Aaron, and let's do a little chat about what is La Nina. If people sure. maybe are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. sure you've heard of El Nino, but maybe people aren't as familiar with what La Nina is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that um, I think the the kind of the misunderstanding sometimes is to think about El Nino or La Nina as a system like we would a tropical system or something right. like that. Obviously, that's not what we're talking about. We're essentially just describing 
what we call it a coupled system between the atmosphere and the ocean, but we're looking at the ocean temperatures and uh, specifically along the equator in the tropical Pacific Ocean um, between South America and Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And when those temperatures are cooler than average, we call that a La Nina. Uh, warmer than average is the opposite of that, which is an El Nino situation. Uh, but like I said, changes in the sea surface temperature then do have impacts in the, the weather patterns that we see. Mm -hmm. And in North America, it has an impact across, you know, for our jet streams, for instance, and, and how those typically set up, set up during, you know, during our winter season, December through about March. And, mm -hmm. and so that's why, you know, we're talking about La Nina today and the impacts it could have on our weather uh, this upcoming season. Yeah. And La Nina for us, I mean, and, and not just Ohio, but We'll just kind of do the broad description, uh, but for the most part, when we talk about La Nina, and we'll bring it in just to kind of Ohio, Miami Valley, uh, it's typically more of a wetter pattern for us, mm -hmm. slightly above average, but as McCall said, it can be a little more erratic. It's not just cut and dry like that, like it's right. just going to be warm and rainy this winter, because just like La Nina and El Nino are kind of those large teleconnections or those large... Um, patterns that connect the ocean and the atmosphere, there are others. And a big one that McCall and I have talked about winter after winter is the Arctic Oscillation. Mm -hmm. um, in particular for Ohio and for the northeastern part of the United States. Um, and that has to do with when we can see that dip in the jet and where we'd see the typically strong winds that are over the Arctic that keep all the cold Arctic air up, if they weaken, then we could get those cold snaps. And when you partner that with a wetter than normal pattern that La Nina can bring, it could spell different things like maybe snow. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what a, sounds like that's what you're hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. At least, you know, a good decent snowfall or two throughout yeah. the season. And, you know, as you were talking about that, the one thing, it's interesting because if, if you'll notice what we're talking about, we're trying, we're searching for clues that help us make a forecast for mm -hmm. the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. uh, but those clues, you know, just like our models and everything else, they're, they're imperfect. And, and sometimes there's, you know, they're highly variable. I was looking at a rainfall, top 10 rainfall for both December, January, February, and January, February, March for just Dayton International. And there are plenty of, op plenty of the top 10. It's basically a split between yeah. El Nino and La Nina in that top 10. Mm. Overall though, you know, when we combine, um, you know, what we've seen, what we do is composite. We just basically look at a lot of La Nina years. We put them together. Clearly, there's a wet signal for the Ohio Valley and, and more so for January, February, March than there is for December, January, February. So there there typically is a switch after the first of the year where it gets a bit wetter. The other thing to consider is all of this occur is occurring, of course, on a changing background state where we're getting warmer. Yeah. So if you combine what typical La Nina conditions bring us along with the trend, it's getting even wetter over time since 1950. So that's, a, you know, some, some things to, to keep in mind. Uh, certainly as we're heading into this season. So wet, wet's a pretty good, you know, <laughs> I think we're banking on wet, right? That's what we think. Yeah, we're right. So. We're and I, and I can't remember, we get the cold. <laughs> right, exactly. And I can't remember the last year that we were in a La Nina. It wasn't too long ago, but I know the weather service, the local weather service said that it was a very wet year. Um, it didn't meet up necessarily with the cold air. So we wound up having a lot more rain than we did snow that year. So yeah. As we say every winter, that Arctic Oscillation is really a big player in our forecast. And hopefully, if you like snow, we'll get a little bit more in the way of the 
uh, negative phase and the colder snaps in the forecast. Yeah, yeah I haven't looked. Uh, I actually, I should have. I haven't looked lately. I mean, about right now is when we start getting some of those indications of what the mm -hmm. Arctic isolation might do throughout the season. Although, again, I still, I think, you know, highly variable weather is what we're going to anticipate and certainly on the wetter side of things. But And I think for our that. listeners and watchers, when you're when we're talking about La Nina, you can kind of see that that's going to be, you know, months out the the lasting impacts of it you, it's not something that switches very quickly um, where the arctic oscillation you can't really look out much further than 10 days or so uh, to have an idea of if it's going to be positive or negative so even then when you're forecasting big events you you cannot forecast out that far as to what is actually going to happen in a few weeks from now yeah that's a great point that is true it kind of has more of a it has that that whiplash effect, you know, at least when we look at models that would help us um, to predict negative and positive phases of the Arctic Oscillation, you know, they can shift back and forth a lot faster, but it does mean, you know, being confident, more confident, I guess, in talking about a wetter winter and not being as confident in saying a snowy winter. And that's really the reason why this far out when we're talking about, you know, November talking about winter weather like that, you know, when we get into the month and like you said, a couple weeks out, we can start to hone in on like, oh, here's a pretty good cold snap. Oh, look, the Arctic oscillation is negative. You know, it, if those pieces come together, this would be a winter where we could have those pieces come together and give us some of those nice big snows, which like you said, Aaron, January, February, March are typically the kind of late season snows. I think once we transition into winter officially in December, everybody wants it to happen right away. And sometimes we have December, well, I'm trying to think, McCall, and you might be able to remember, Aaron, you probably do as well. It was uh, the winter solstice a couple of years ago. It was actually extremely warm. And then we end up having a, a mass amount of flooding. So it's like mm -hmm. we can get into technically winter um, and still be able to have pretty warm stretches, you know? And I also think that um, the way that the La Nina sets up the jet stream pattern, it, it gives you that big ridge on the western coast of the U.S. and gives us the big trough on the eastern coast. I feel like it's also a good pattern set up if the cold air is in place to get a good amount of clipper systems mm, um, yes. that would bring, you know, the potential for more snow squally type of setups into the winter time, which we know in Ohio can be extremely dangerous. So. so much so the Weather Service now has their snow squall alert system, which I think is fantastic um, because it really, it really can come out of nowhere to people. And they're able in the past couple of years, McCall and I have done this, this story on this before, that they tap into ODOT. So they partner with ODOT and are able to put up on the highway signs if a very, very, very small, almost like a tornado warning, but for snow squalls. So it's hyper local where they're able to say visibility will be near zero. So if you are driving near one of the polygons that the National Weather Service has marked off, um, you'll be able to at least see those on the highway, which I really think is such a, an interesting way to utilize that partnership between weather and between road safety. And in winter, that is really your main focus in winter is preventing, in my opinion, is being able to prepare people so that they're not caught off guards on the road because mm -hmm. that is the worst. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So Aaron, can you speak to um, the differences of like a snowy winter and a wet winter? And really, I feel like a wet winter, a lot of rain, we saw this just a couple of years ago, is so bad for our farmers um, in the sense that the ground just gets so saturated. Is there a lesser of the two evils when it comes to that? 
Yeah, so certainly there's there's several impacts to think about. I mean, if you think about those that have livestock, for instance, if it's warm and it's wet, that is a miserable season for the livestock. It's hard for the farmers. And, and so that, that can cause issues. Um, the other thing is, you know, runoff uh, from, you know, if you're getting rain on a frozen soil versus if it's a sad, you know, warmer thawed layer, um, how long does that moisture then linger into the spring season? Uh, it can have impacts on the soil temperatures and how quickly they warm up right into March and April, because yeah. if, it, if they're saturated, it's going to take a little bit longer to heat that surface. And, and so there, there's a lot of different feedbacks, I think, from an agricultural perspective on, on that as well. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, so both from a livestock perspective, but then also, you know, just, just thinking about getting those crops in, uh, uh, in, you know, getting the fields. There's a lot of, you know, most people think that, that you get into the spring season and you could just start planting. Well, there's a lot mm. of field work that has to take place. Um, and so when, you, when you've got really saturated conditions like that, if it's warm and wet, that really slows down all of the farm work that, that's taking place in that early part of the season. Well, where are we now as we're headed into the winter season? Are we in a good place or a bad place? You know, we've got some potential, right? So what we've seen throughout much of October, especially some areas that have picked up six to eight inches of rain over the last 30 days, yeah, uh, we have seen our soil moisture recharging. That's good. Um, you know, it was interesting this season, we did have drought across the region. We had some dry areas, but our stream flows were, were widespread low. You know, they sort of kept, kept levels, uh, but our, our soil moisture was down and it's starting to recharge now, but some of that soil is not completely recharged across Northwest Ohio. In the Miami Valley, we're lingering now, drier conditions, Preble County, Western mm -hmm. Butler County, but that's starting to slide back again as well. So we're improving. I mean, this, is, this isn't, you know, from a soil moisture standpoint, we want to recharge our soils. Uh, but I guess all of that is a long answer to say, we've got some capacity to take on some moisture it's not as if we're going into 2019 winter like we did coming off the 2018 fall when we had a tremendously wet. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, most of the falls over the last decade have been really wet. The last two falls, we're coming off a drier fall. So we've got more capacity, I think, to you know, deal with a wetter than average winter. That's yeah. good news. That is great news. <laughs> now, there was a, a delay in harvesting because of the amount of rain that we had, right? Yeah, yeah it's a combination. Yeah, it's a combination. You know, it was a bit drier in September, which allowed a lot of folks to harvest soybeans. And so soybeans weren't running nearly as far behind. Uh, but there's been what we call dry down issues. You know, the, the corn has to dry down to a certain percentage to make it really more economical to, to harvest and not have to spend a lot of extra money on drying equipment. Uh, so, so when you, you know, Part of the drought season, actually, you know, some late planted stuff in, in the spring, um, some drought issues slowing down development. The, the crops didn't dry down as fast this fall, especially in that early part of the dry weather. So now when we got into October and we added the rainfall, the moisture content's too high, the ground's not workable, so you, or you, it's too wet to harvest. So it's really been hampered so far. But with this switch that we've had, at least after that cold front last weekend, I know that the combines are going full force. And there's a lot of reports that uh, moisture is, is, is drying down now. We're, they're getting to optim more optimal levels for folks out there. So hopefully they're taking advantage. I think they are. I mean, there's- They have to be. I was going to say, there's, there's yeah. no way they're not. Well, and it's nice yeah. too. It's dry. It's also, it has been a very sunny stretch 
So yes. obviously the power of the sun, I mean, we still have a decent sun angle this time of year. So that can help with that. I would assume too, being able to dry not only the soil, but also the crops. And <laughs> we're sunny all the way until Tuesday night, Wednesday is our next front. So yeah, yeah. And we it's could really talk quite exciting. <laughs> you know, from a winter perspective, you know, sun and clouds, uh, mm -hmm. that's another issue, right? So yes. a lot of folks always ask about the clouds this time of year. And, you know, with the Great Lakes and, and they're, they're coming off the warmer season, there's plenty of evaporation off the Great Lakes, which typically leads to, you know, our cloudy conditions around here. <laughs> so the sun is nice now. And actually, there's a benefit for a strong Arctic os or negative Arctic oscillation with cold air. You know, it's typically drier and yeah. you see more of those January, February sunny days, even if it is close to zero, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so there, there's some trade-offs there as well. <laughs> there's always yeah, it's a that time of year. Yeah, there, it's just that time of year where I feel like the sun gets lower and it's harder and harder to get rid of the clouds. And it's just, you know, let's enjoy it while we yeah, have it. Absolutely. De definitely need to. Um, so Aaron, real quick, because you've talked about this before, um, obviously as meteorologists, we're seven days, you know, we are forecasting for the next couple of days ahead, but as a climatologist and someone who does study more into climate, that is the, the big span, the big picture for years and for decades of data, not just what the next week will be. Um, you've kind of touched on this in past podcasts with us that a trend, a warming earth can lead to a wetter uh, pattern. So mm -hmm. you've talked, I think that you said it was, it was um, falls maybe in spring, like there were seasons that you had said had a higher likelihood or you've started to notice over the decades that they're trending wetter. Can you kind of touch back in on that? And is there any yeah. connection then um, for winter in terms of more of a, a climatological change rather than just like, not La Nina, El Nino, but we're talking like any pattern long range that you've noticed? Yeah, so, you know, in the most broad sense, temperatures are warming and it, precipitation is increasing. And so we've seen that, that, you know, you can break it down different ways, you know, just look at the last 40 years and the trends are increasing. Or if you compare it today to the early part of the 20th century, temperatures are warmer and, and precipitation is up. But the seasonality of those changes is really important, especially when you get down to the decision-making level, you know, from ag or transportation or health and all of those things. So what we've seen is falls have been the, the largest trend in terms of increasing rainfall. Last fall and this fall kind of bucked those trends, but that's, that's when we're talking about weather, you get variability season right. to season, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, we've seen strong trends in, in fall and also in spring. Less so in winter, but it's still on the positive side. And mm -hmm. then summer is actually, and we project this into the future as well, uh, trending drier. So you get more rainfall in the off season from an agricultural perspective, less rainfall on a growing crop, which brings in, again, those, that seasonality really matters. You know, specifically for winter, uh, it's kind of mixed around the state, the trends in terms of precip, but it, it's generally on the positive side, but not as conclusive as fall and spring. Temperature-wise, though, we, we know we're getting warmer, uh, just not just in average days, uh, but daytime highs as well, uh, as well, and also overnight lows. You know, our, our maximum, or sorry, our minimum temperature that we reach in the winter it's it's warming and it's warmed quite a bit enough that you know uh, growing seasons or growing zones have shifted to the north and west. Oh. Uh, you know the Arbor Day just 
recently, you know, a few years back, updated the, the growing zones for certain crops and, and changed those slightly. So, and that's what we see across the U.S. is a general north and west shift in those growing zones. So that's, that's where it's important for winter. And I think that's why, you know, when we see these polar vortex outbreaks, right, what we call these polar vortex, well, and I say that, what we call these polar vortex outbreaks, but they're associated with that Arctic oscillation. Um, you know, we ask, how can it be minus 20 degrees in a warmer mm -hmm. than average winter? But it absolutely can, because we're yeah. talking about one or two days and over a 90 day period that it just averages out a lot warmer. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, comp you know, it's a complex situation. Right. We live in this realm of what we experience today. Uh, we know we get up in the mornings and our temperature rise 20, 30 degrees and, mm -hmm. and cool off that fast at night. We think two degree warming over a long period of time. What's the connection, you know, uh, but but certainly significant warming, especially in, in, in winter and, and at night here in the Ohio Valley. I know I've used this analogy before and I forget who I heard it from, but um, the difference between your daily weather and your climate, your daily weather is like the mood that you're in that day. Sometimes you're in a good mood, sometimes you're in a bad mood, but climate is more of your personality and it's a collection of all the days and, and how that shifts. It's not something that just changes overnight and it evolves and shifts. And, and that's pretty much, I think, the overarching, um, you know, thing that we're thinking about with climate in the sense that, you know, we can change what's happening now. It's not going to happen overnight, but if we start to do things that can help keep us from warming too much, you know, we should try to yeah. do that. Yeah. I, there's a graphic that I like to use. It's like walking your dog. You know, that dog is driven by what I call natural tendencies, fire mm -hmm. hydrants, McDonald's wrappers, all of these things that, that it can <laughs> see. So it's going back and forth as you're walking along the sidewalk. So you can describe the dog's path over a long period of time. That's the path you took, even though that dog was swinging back and forth and yeah. going in opposite directions at times than you are. So, uh, you know, these are, I think the more we can you know, put these, what seem like complicated, complex concerns in those ways that we can really uh, connect to them. I think it, it helps in the communication as well of what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think also too, what was interesting um, that you, you kind of just had touched on this was um, averages and having that uh, snaps in the winter. I think that people can kind of get um, almost lost in the snaps. So like McCall, as our chief, she will, you know, do a winter outlook and she'll say it'll be wetter than normal. And, you know, we have a, a chance to be a little warmer than normal. Most people just hear warm and wet. And so then they will completely maybe disconnect from the idea that we could have several large snowstorms towards the end of the year, or we could have snaps where we're below zero for several days in a row. Now, technically, when we go back and look at the winter, it would still, it could still average out to be warmer than normal and slightly wetter than normal. Uh, but that doesn't erase, especially in Ohio, the possibility of a couple good snows or those snaps where we have wind chills that are 20 to 30 below. Does it, do you know what I'm saying there? McCall, maybe you could touch on that a little yeah. bit more, but do you know and what I, I mean when you do the outlooks, kind of how you're, you have to almost reiterate a, a little bit more detail into it because you don't want people to just zone out and be like, oh, it's just going to be warm and wet this winter. And then when it feels wet, where did that come from? You also need to set those data points because, you yeah. know, when you're in the middle of January, average high is like 36 degrees. Yeah. So warmer than normal, maybe a 40 degree high day. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it's not 70 degrees. We're not going to have a ton of 70 degree days, 60 degree days. So 
you know, it's kind of just a little bit more of perspective and I think setting that baseline, but people hear what they want to hear, you know, they just want to know, am I going to have a ton of snow? Is it going to be cold all winter? <laughs> and can I add here too? I mean, I think that that is like the, the beauty and the power of what, what you do uh, at, at the local level, because, you know, access to information today, we know anyone with a computer can get on and see a, 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 a an outlook from the Climate Prediction Center. Anybody can access model data that shows 25 inches of snow at a 10 to one ratio uh, in Dayton, Ohio. Right. You know, how many times do we see 25 inches of snowfall, right? Right. <laughs> so with the access to information, I think, you know, your role there at the, at, at the, lo you know, the local area becomes even more important to interpret that data. So that's just a, a way of saying, you know, I appreciate what you do at the local level and translating this information into mm -hmm. a way that's usable for folks across the Miami Valley. Well, thank you, Aaron. Yes, and absolutely. both Paul and I, we have done that uh, many, many winters where, you know, we may have the European model might really be aggressive with snowfall. <laughs> and we go and we look at the climatology for the day and just be like, yeah, really though? <laughs> What's the odds? What are yeah. the odds of that? And that's the point. That's why we keep climate data for centuries because it is important to, to see, yeah, you know, mod, our weather modeling is not perfect. Um, there are bias, there could be bad data. And, you know, you really, it is important to connect that dot, especially in winter forecasting, but we'll do it with severe weather as well. Looking back mm -hmm. at, you know, if we have this strength of a, of a front coming through and the Cape could get this high, you know, we'll look back and see, well, what type of severe weather has occurred in the Miami Valley and it kind of points you into what mode of severe weather may occur. In the winter, it's the same thing. If we are getting some really high blasted snow totals, we go back and look and see, A, when's the last time we saw that? And then B, what's the climate for the day or for the couple days surrounding that winter storm yeah. to see like, is it really that likely that we'll, we'll blow into that high of snow totals? Yeah. It's always fun when that actually happens, though, and I'm like, well, oh, it has. No. I feel like the past, we've had a couple winters <laughs> recently where we truly have broken records for snow. I know, and then you're just so confused. It's a yeah. lot of fun. Weather's fun. You should. It is should a blast. And then that <laughs> snow is going a week fun. later, right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, when you think about it, we're we're warmer. We're getting the ability for to have more moisture. So the fact also that we could and Aaron weigh in on this. There could be more records of snow that break as, as, as we're dealing with a warmer and wetter, you know, large environment here that if the cold matches up with it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, you know, kind of a parallel to that is what we're seeing in our tropical systems. Yes. In terms of the amount of rainfall that's falling and, you know, being able to tap into that. Uh, you know, that's another, you brought up another point about using the climate data, but we're in a regime now where we know we are, we're hitting extremes at a lot, mm -hmm. you know, a higher frequency. And, and they provide those checks of what we're likely to experience, but we're starting to see some, you know, more often, uh, really those, those more extreme effects. And we can see that in our billion dollar weather disasters this year and over the last decade as well. There's just so many things that, that came to mind as you, as you talked about that. So yeah, absolutely. More moisture, you know, the possibility is there where if, if you get the right phasing, it's mm -hmm. always about the phasing between the cold yeah. air and the moisture, yeah. uh, not this rain, cold air, rain, cold air. That's what I hope doesn't happen this season, by the way. But, yeah, I know. Um, we'll, we'll see. Yep. But, and I uh, think yeah, absolutely. In, in, you know, a basic meteorological, you know, 
way to say this is that we talk about time and time again, the moisture within the air. So the warmer the air, the more moisture the air can hold. When you typically get into mid to late January, earlier February, you know, you have colder, drier air that doesn't necessarily hold more moisture. So you can still have snow, obviously you have the cold there, but sometimes it's right as you start to get into spring, when you start to warm back up, you get those blockbuster snowstorms at the end mm -hmm. of the season. Now, if we start to have a little bit of some warmer seasons through January and February, you can start to have those more record-breaking snowfall potentials. And yes. so that's why, you know, when we're looking at climate and how climate is changing, that may in fact have a, a, yes, we might have more rain, but we also could have some bigger snows as well. Yeah, it reminded me, it seemed like early and mid-2000s, Valentine's Day storms were so frequent across mm -hmm. the Valley. So yes. it's like year after year, we were getting pretty big snowstorms around Valentine's Day. So yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting. That's because we start to start to warm back up. Yeah, that's right. Well, and that's a good point, McCall, because when we look back at those polar vortex outbreaks, when we had the really below zero temperatures and the wind chills that were, you know, minus 30, minus 20 below, it wasn't partnered with snow. You know what I mean? Yeah. That wasn't when we were getting snow. So you can get <laughs> the extremely cold outbreaks, but they're not phasing with big snows because there's that lack of the air being able to hold that moisture that would give us a blockbuster right. snow. So we're talking more like 32 to 36 degree days. That's yeah. when you can really tap into some of those good, uh, good weather makers. McCall, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. If okay. people are listening in the Miami Valley, you've kind of already done your winter outlook. You've talked about it a little bit. Um, so if maybe somebody missed that on channel seven, what kind of indicators kind of bring it back together? We, we started with La Nina, Arctic yeah. Oscillation, bring it back together for, for people locally. This is just going to be our Miami Valley outlook. Um, and then of course, Aaron, I'll let you weigh in on this afterwards, but uh, you know, what are you, what are you kind of thinking just to bring it in summary since we started talking about it, yeah. let's bring it back and kind of wrap it up with that. Well, I think that we pretty much touched upon all the points throughout this conversation. You start out baseline with the fact that we're in a La Nina phase. So that's going to give us the ability to have a wetter than normal uh, season ahead. We're going to have to watch week by week how the Arctic Oscillation plays out as to whether or not it's going to be snow or rain. It could even become more of an icing potential for the winter yeah. as well. So that's, that's a little bit of a caveat. And uh, unfortunately, that's the worst type of winter precipitation to have. Yeah. Um, we tend to phase a little bit later into the cold snap. So we might have, you know, flipping back and forth for the next month, two month and a half, but January and February, I think we'll get, have some good snow events. Um, but again, we could have some rain as well. It, it really is one of those tricky forecasts where we're going to have to go week by week, I think to um, say what type of precip is going to fall, but generally wetter and warmer, warmer. I agree with the climate outlook as we look into uh, December, January, and February. And then again, tapping onto the fact that that jet stream could mean more clipper systems, may not be a blockbuster snow, but we might have more frequent Saskatchewan screamers and, you know, you know, those clipper systems that come from Alberta and things like that. Yeah. And what, Aaron, do you agree? Oh, yes. I, I, that's what I've been telling folks myself. And, uh, you know, get I just got off another podcast where they were asking about the winter season. It's like, we're going to be wet. And from an agricultural standpoint, you know, we have to watch and see as we head into the spring, just how soggy we are. But expect a little bit of everything this winter. That's mm. what I would think. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've had plenty of winters like that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Ohio. And it's just interesting how uh, month to month in Ohio, we really can see quite a, um, 
just, it, it's so different. It's so we've had December's that end up really warm. Uh, we've had, you know, the big March snows. We've had January's and February's that can be bitter cold. And, you know, we count winter for December, January, February. So, you know, it's a couple months there that we just kind of have to see how it all averages out. Um, but obviously we feel pressure in the winter. <laughs> we don't want to do a snow forecast, I promise. Let's say one really great thing that's going to happen this winter, and we haven't said it yet on the podcast, Kirsty's going to have a baby. So you're going to be sitting at home while it's snowing and raining and enjoying your maternity leave. January, February, March. January, February, March, I'll have a newborn. So that will be a blast. <laughs> That'll be a winter storm in and of itself. And a toddler running around. So if we could get some pretty snows and some temperatures that are not too cold so we can actually be outside this winter, that would be great. A January wow, baby here, so I approve. <laughs> Yay! Very good. Well, you know, Erin, you are always uh, phenomenal to chat with, and we only have a few more minutes left here. Um, great on Twitter. Aaron is a great follow. He's always putting climate stuff there. Aaron, let people know how they can follow you on Twitter, because I think that's where you're most active. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'm maybe a little bit more on Facebook, Dr. Wilson's Weather, um, Aaron Wilson there on Facebook as well, uh, but Dr. Wilson's Weather on Twitter, and so, yeah, we're, um, you know, I try to provide some of the climate context, um, which is what I, what, I, what I try to do there, so I appreciate the shout out, and always, always love talking to you both about weather, so it's always good. Thank you. Thanks. Well, we've enjoyed it. Um, as always, download, subscribe, listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcasts on your Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, WHIO.com as well. We have video versions, which is what we're recording now, vodcasts, and you can do that over on uh, Apple, Apple TV, I believe, Amazon Fire, um, as well as on any Roku device that you have. Just search for WHIO and you'll find our app there. Download it and you'll see our video version as well as on WHIO.com. Anything else from you, Kirstie, before we get going? No, thanks for joining us. And always don't forget, you could write us a review. And if you have just a, an idea of a podcast or someone you'd want us to talk to that's in the weather or science world, feel free to email McCall or I. We are also both on uh, Twitter as well as Facebook. Uh, it, we love doing these podcasts. And so we're always open to meeting new people and, and being able to talk to, to new guests in the science community. So let us know if you have a suggestion. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.